Welcome to episode number four with Chris Nagu, aka The Tech Creative. Chris Nagu is originally from Cameroon. He calls it the armpit of Africa. I happen to love armpits, so maybe I should visit. Chris is a software engineer who likes the occasional pint of beer, but prefers being outdoors, freezing time, and figuring out new ways of portraying old things. His favorite meal of the day is any meal, and he got into technology as a kid because he wanted to hack Bill Gates to give all of his money to African countries. Brother Chris, welcome to the show. Chris, thanks for having me. I am very excited to be here. Dude, we're stoked. We got the tech creative on the line. Dude, give us a little bit more background about yourself. Uh, I know I just read a little brief bio on you, uh, but let us a little bit, you know, take us back to to Cameroon, to your humble beginnings, um, and then get us up to speed to, you know, where you're at today. Okay, well, I'm Chris Ngu. I'm from Cameroon. And um, so I obviously born and raised in Cameroon when I was about 18 I moved to the U.S. to go to uni. I went to Harding University, which is a small Christian school in Arkansas, in the middle of nowhere. And how I got there is one of my best friends growing up in Cameroon. Um, her mom went to school with my mom in Tennessee State University. So they went to school together. When my friend growing up was going to the U.S. because she has sickle cell, sickle cell disease, she was going to the U.S. and my mom essentially, you know, asked me if I wanted to go with her because I didn't want her being alone and all that. Anyways, so I ended up in Harding University in Arkansas, spent four years there in Arkansas. And then after college, I got, I said, I always say drafted um, by a company that I work for now. Um, so I got drafted by this company straight out of college into and I moved to Dallas, Texas, where I started working as a support engineer for them, this company called HBK. And from there, I worked in Dallas for three years. After working in Dallas for three years, an opportunity came came up where they needed someone to intentionally lead the technology front in our London office. I obviously volunteered for that because I was... My, like my last year in Dallas, I was getting more and more into photography and I figured like London would be the place to just take that to the next level and take traveling to the next level because that's something I had. Um, it's funny because also I never really traveled before like moving to London because I wasn't really into that. But then I figured that was the time to just make the swift, like the complete shift, like start traveling more and photography wise, it was just going to be amazing. So about... Two years ago, the company moved me into London, and I've been in London ever since. And yeah, now I work for HBK London, and I've lived here for two years and a few months. And yeah, that's pretty much about about it. And the name, the Tech Creative, the reason my name is the Tech Creative, a lot of people usually ask me is because I'm in technology. And um, being that I write codes for a living as well, a lot of people have a hard time balancing your artsy side and your, you know, very like logical side. And so I figured I wanted a name that represented me being able to do a little bit of both sides. So that's a little bit about me. 
So there you have it. The tech creative. Dude, so you did you graduate with a degree in IT or Yeah, so I finished with an IT degree from Harding University. And then you just got drafted to this. Sounds like you got an awesome job. It sounds like it just fell into your lap by the way you make you explain it. <laughs> um so you know what? It's actually so I finished school and because obviously I'm not American, I'm from Cameroon, uh, I had 60 days to find a job or I would have to go back. So about 40 days had passed before HPK contacted me. So I had 20 days left before I had to go back to Cameroon. This job, this person calls me up. They're like, oh, we want to interview you. I'm like, cool. It's like a Wednesday. They fly me out on a Wednesday. I go interview all day because I was in Little Rock. So I would fly out of Little Rock, go to Dallas, interview the whole day from like 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. When I left, I didn't think I had the job as well. Interviewed the whole day. I had a friend who was working there at the time. Well, he still works there. His name is Chris as well. Um, after that, he was like, hey, don't worry, it's going to be okay. I was like, oh, there's no way I have the job. I was already preparing my bags to go back to Cameroon. And then they called me the next day. They were like, listen, we want to make you an offer. They made me an offer, and I accepted the job on Friday. It was, like, really quick. Um, so the job definitely fell into my life, and I got really lucky because, well, we wouldn't be having this conversation if I had gone back to Cameroon, I don't think. Right. Dude, well, congratulations. I'm, I'm glad everything worked out, and it sounds like this job is also kind of... You had said you never really traveled until you moved to London for this job, so it kind of seems like this job has also opened up uh, new horizons for you as far as you know some of your hobbies and some of your travel. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how your job has kind of empowered you rather than taken away from your life like most people normally you know, talk about their jobs? Yeah, so, um, like, um, we talked a little bit about, um, I I feel I am in a unique position because a lot of people ask me all the time, like, do you want to do photography full-time? And my answer most of the time is no. And the reason is because, like, my jo- I actually enjoy what I do. Like, I, I love, I'm passionate about what I do. And the reason I am is because um, I get bored really easily. And that this job allows me to do so many different things and so touch so many different areas of technology. Like I'm passionate about technology as a whole. Absolutely. Good for you, Chris. Not everyone uh, is that blessed. So congratulations on having, you know, a job that you really do enjoy and, and a job that empowers you to do what you love to do in your off time, um, which is photography. And speaking of photography, how did you even get into photography? Like give us the backstory on that. Like how did that come about? Uh, so I had a friend. Uh, well, I have a friend called Shashan. He's from Sri Lanka. And um, well, actually, before that, in college, one of my really good friends was called John Yoder. Um, he's from Pennsylvania. And he had like three, four cameras. He wanted to do that full time. He was a CS major. And we would always talk about photography. He's the one who sold me my first camera. And I think it was a Canon GSX something at that point. I'd eventually give gave that to my mom, but he sold me my first camera, and I was always fascinated by like light painting because he would do this light, these cool light paintings. He was just really good, and he was very meticulous about the way he went about photography, and he was very 
good at composition and like following. He was one of those people where he he did things. Well, I don't want to only say by the book, but he had understood the ground. Like he had a good foundation, so he was able to produce things that were beyond his time. So he is the one who kind of piqued my interest at an early age. So I bought that camera, but I didn't really do anything with it um, in terms of like starting my own thing. I always wanted to, but for me, studies came first. So like anything extracurricular was not on the table. Obviously, there's a, it's a lot of pressure when, you know, mom is in Cameroon asking you how are things going and you want to start talking about <laughs> I'm trying to give it all up for photography. So I kind of put that in the back burner and I was just kind of like, okay, I have this first camera, I didn't really use it. And then when I started my job, this guy started uh, at our firm called Shoshan, Sri Lankan, very nice. And he was the one who kind of introduced me to like photography and Instagram the way that I use Instagram now. So, and he only used his phone and I was very amazed at, at the results that he could get with just using the phone and he would process everything through Viso. That was a time where like the, it was still a very like organic process when Instagram was still felt very organic in terms of like, you know, you take everything on your phone, you do everything on your phone and you just put it out there for the world to see. So he kind of introduced me to that and I saw how he would travel to places and the pictures that he would come back with and just, he had a way of just telling a story with his pictures that I wanted to achieve. So he kind of got me into that. So I did iPhoneography for about a year when I met him, which was, I just, you know, I just stuck to, I did the whole, the moment, the moment lenses. I don't know if you know what that is. Like, so I, I, I would, yep. I, I bought the lenses. I had that on my phone when I would travel, I would take that with me. You know, I had a wide, I had the telephoto and all that. And then I eventually outgrew that and then it was just one of those things where I knew that I wanted more. Um, and it was an escape as well, because obviously I I work really long hours. So to me, I wanted just something that could let me not think so much. And photography is the first thing that I have ever done that I don't have to overthink it that much. I can just kind of roll with the punches and it just comes a little easier than most things. And I'm, and I'm not... You know, I'm 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 trying to say it's usually most things don't come easy to me. Like I have to really really work at it, whether it be coding or just like you know understanding whatever for networking for work. But this was the first thing that I I could just do and just not overthink. So I started doing it more and more. I got my first camera, and it was just one of those things where I would work through the week, and then I would look forward to taking pictures on the weekend and just going out and just exploring and taking pictures. So that's kind of how I got into it. It was just a few friends that picked my interest here and there and then realizing that it was an escape from the pressures of work and being completely relaxing. Like I'll put headphones on and I can shoot for four or five hours and just like being fascinated with architecture and just like symmetry and how things are placed. Um, and understanding why you want to take a picture of something and just realizing that, you know, things are actually more interesting when you take the time to look at it. So that's kind of how I got into photography. Okay. So it sounds like photography is very 
therapeutic for you outside of your work. It's a, it's a really nice time for you to relax and put your headphones on, listen to some music, go shoot and just kind of do your thing and do something you really enjoy. That's just relaxing and, you know, isn't does at least doesn't feel like a ton of work. Yeah, no, definitely. I agree with that. Um, it's very relaxing and it can it can also be a very collaborative um, effort, especially when you're doing portraits. So it has just mm-hmm. aspects that like I just needed um, when work was overwhelming. I just I just needed to just kind of like, you know, just find an outlet where I can just, you know, release without it being too much. And that's what it was for me. And it just became more and more. Of it started taking a lot more of my time, and it it is what it is now. Where, you know, um, I don't see myself not taking pictures, right? It's just it's one of those things that I I enjoy so much that like you know I want to keep doing it for the foreseeable foreseeable future. So you know, now that we're on the subject of you know, we've talked a little bit about Instagram. We're talking about photography. I know you wanted to, to specifically talk about the difference between Instagrammers. Uh, and photographers so do you mean like the difference uh are we going to discuss the difference between like instagram photographers and like real world photographers or uh, in what context are we talking about here let's say like this like you can ask there are people on instagram right now that you can ask who your favorite photographer is and they wouldn't be able to name someone outside of instagram you know what i mean Right, like they wouldn't be able to drop an Ansel Adams, but they could drop. Exactly, they wouldn't be able to. Like if if I was like, do you know who Henri Cartier-Bresson is? Who is like essentially the street photography god, or like Helen Binet? Like they wouldn't be able to be like, oh, I know who that is. But you you're like, oh, and this again, this is not a dig at anyone on Instagram. Like, be great, do what you do, and be unapologetic about it. Like. But I think there is a there's a huge distinction to be made, and I think the huge distinction to be made is because I was having this conversation with someone that I was actually traveling with, and I don't think he quite understood what I meant because I am okay if you Instagram is the beginning and the end for you, that's fine. And I said something like, you know, Chanel, if Chanel approaches you, for example, like just don't limit your inspiration to just Instagram. Right. So if Chanel, for example, approaches um, me to do a commercial, like an, an, an editorial shoot, if I am only inspired by Instagram, what does that mean? Like my ideas revolve around prisms, glass balls, like smoke bombs and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like, um, and, and again, I am not trying to dig at anyone. Like I had my smoke bombs phase and stuff and that's fine. Like, that's cool being able to look beyond gimmicks in terms of you don't need all that for great capture. And that is why I, I am so appreciative of Luke Victor Valente's work because he is able to push that envelope. He's able to make amazing portraits and you don't see anything. He doesn't need anything else, but the person and the connection he has with that person to make an amazing photograph. And to me, that means more to me because I can look at his work and be like, this is an absolutely stunning portrait and it doesn't have a prism effect and it doesn't have any like fairy light effect. Again, if you use fairy lights, if you use prisms, I have, it's fine. But to me, my thing is look outside of Instagram. 
gotcha. Pick up, pick up a photo book. Be inspired by people who have done it at a higher level than you have because I don't think personally Gucci or Chanel or whatever. And again, it depends on where you want to go with photography, right? If your goal is to be approached by modeling agencies for you to do shoots, I don't think that they're only going to expect you to do gimmicks. And there are people like Vitor, like like Luke out there who are pushing the envelope so you can follow him as well and get good inspiration. Like today I was talking to a friend of mine. I was like, hey, can you recommend a photo book that I can buy so that I can I can find inspiration anyway? I, I don't just use Instagram, which is another thing. Like people ask me all the time, why don't you follow more people on Instagram? I, was, I, I say, because I don't get my inspiration from Instagram. And the reason is because like it's, it's more full of gimmicks than I would like to. So that's when I say the difference between Instagrammers and photographers. I mean, people who are purely inspired by Insta, like things that they see on Instagram versus people who try to get a little bit on Instagram, but they have a broader view and they, they can tell me, okay, I know who Trent Park is because he is a legend in photography. They, they have done their research and they can be inspired by different things and that that changes the way because obviously like if you if every day the first thing you see when you open Instagram is a picture of a smoke bomb, you're gonna wanna do that, right? But if you influenced by so many other things and you're gonna and it sounds like I'm like just digging at smoke bombs, but I'm not like I'm, <laughs> I, you know, I just want people to like to me it's I want I want you to seek out other places for inspiration because there is so much more to photography than bringing something, you know, it doesn't have to, you don't need anything else, but you, the camera and your imagination for it to be a good picture, which brings me to another point. Like people should be completely unapologetic when they want to create something because a lot of the times, like what I've realized that the people that I love the work, their work is, they do it and they do it, you know, with absolute confidence that it is what they like and let people follow you because you like something and the people who like what you like would follow you as well. So that's what I have to say between Instagram and Muslim photographers. Please do not come at me. I I hope I was very, I tried to be very concise as to what I was trying to say. Um, but yeah. Yeah, no, I think that was great. Um so basically to kind of sum that up is don't be afraid to venture outside of Instagram and to learn a little bit of history about photography uh, for for inspiration or even look outside of photography and outside of Instagram, maybe to architecture or to art history, fine art, different you know style periods and, and eras of, of, of art and design and and taking some of that and, and, and putting that into your work. Otherwise, if you just live in the Instagram world, you just create the same old thing. Yeah, that's very well said. And I feel a little behind, dude, because I just ordered my my uh, my Instagram portrait starter pack, you know, complete with the prism. <laughs> it has a prism, the fairy lights. It's got like six things that glow in the dark face paint, some cereal oh, and milk. Man. So. You're gonna nah. get me in trouble, bro. Come on, man. Nah, <laughs> like, nah. If that's what you no, want to do, but, bro, like, you, you should do that. Like, you should do that and enjoy I, it. I agree. I think, I do. I think smoke bombs and cereal and 
uh, <laughs> face paint and fairy lights. I think it's all cool because uh, it's creative, right? Again, no problems with smoke grenades. Go out, buy smoke grenades, take beautiful photos. But just remember that you don't see smoke grenades hanged up in museums. You see pictures without smoke grenades in them. So venture out, go to art museums, buy photo books, uh, buy prints, print out your work, get inspired. Look at documentaries. So, so you do print, you print your work? So I have, an, I, have, I have so much work that I want to get printed, but because I'm moving back to New York, I'm moving back to the US and I'm moving to New York, I don't want to print anything and having to carry all of it. So I have like 16, 20 images that I want to get printed, but I'm saving it till I move back because New York is going to be a longer term deal than London was. So right. I'm just waiting on that. Because if I print all the work now, it just means most more things that I have to carry back. So I'm just I'm just waiting for the right time, and then yes, I will print. Okay, you ever done a gallery show or or, or think of doing one? I haven't. I haven't done a, a. I want. I want to do a gallery show, and I want to do it just for my street photography. Actually, I think eventually I'll end up just shooting street and just. But I, I want to do one. But then again, it, it just, I need more material. I don't shoot straight as much as I would like. But yeah, that's something I also have discussed with a couple of friends that are way more talented than I am. And, you know, maybe just do like a small, small pop-up shop where, you know, you just tell people to just come around and just have a look and, as well. But yeah, I'm thinking, those, those are things that you're just asking all the questions of things that I'm like, oh yeah, I've thought about it, man. But things obviously haven't lined up the way I would like for them to line up for me to to do it. So, but yeah, it's definitely something that I've thought about for sure. Nice. I uh, yeah, I think printing is so important, and I would love to. You know, I know at Art of Visuals we're stoked to be bringing the magazine back. I'm not even sure if you're familiar with the magazine that we used to have. Um, no. Yeah, so we used to have a print book that we used to publish quarterly. And we stopped because it's it realistically it's just really expensive and to produce uh, at the quality yeah. that we were producing it at. I mean, it was really it was. I hate calling it a magazine because it was more like a book. The pages are really thick. Uh, mm. The print quality was great, but I mean, it, it's hard because I mean, it costs you know twenty twenty five bucks for a mag. So for the community to buy that and with shipping, it's like 35 bucks for this book, which I think is, is worth it. But yeah, anyway, it's just really expensive to, to produce and it takes a lot of time. And now that we have the mobile app, we're bringing the magazine back this fall and it's going to be so much easier to select images for the mag because we can just, you know, pull up the different categories on our back end and, and, and find uh, amazing yeah. art from people in the community. So it's really important for us to bring print back and to showcase the community, uh, you know, within a publication. And it's cool for, I mean, it's really cool for artists to get published, you know, and yeah. For sure. No one's publishing anything these days, so yeah, someone's got it. Oh, like, no, you're right, man. And that's that's a that's a really good shout. That's a really good shout. Um, I remember I told Travis that I was like, you prints, you know. Um, and this, I don't know. You can tell me what you think about this. I had a conversation with my friend who's just shooting all film now. His name is Tom. Um, he it's his evolution. He's like Benjamin Button. Like he started with just film. 
he moved to like a Canon 1DX and then he moved to like a Sony A7R2 and then he moved back to like a Fuji X-T2 and now he's like like a monochrome like back to film it's like really weird how he's transitioned back but I was having this conversation with him and another friend and you can you can tell me what you think and a lot of people nowadays don't buy you know they wouldn't even buy a print right do you think that someone buying presets is as complimentary as someone buying your print absolutely not from my perspective my opinion i don't think i don't think it's remotely close and i, I th- and i think the reason why people aren't selling that many prints today is in my opinion, is because I don't think there's any real vision behind their artwork. I think people are just creating to create. People are just capturing, you know, they're just taking photos just to take a photo. And there's real no, there's no meaning, no umph, no story behind the image, which, I mean, someone has, I mean, for someone to buy something, they they somewhat have to become emotionally attached to, to whatever it is they're going to purchase and, if it's just a cool photo, then that's that's just all it is, you know. If it doesn't speak to someone, if there's not a vision behind it, if there's not a strong story, if there's not something emotional, if it's not for a specific type of person, then you know I don't think you're gonna sell prints. Mm. You know, throughout history, some of the greatest eras of of art is you know come from these artists and these collectives that all shared like very similar visions on why they were creating and, and what they were creating. And I just feel in 2017, uh, specifically with Instagram, I think we have some of the greatest artists ever creating really interesting, really cool work. But I, I think most of it lacks vision and, and meaning. And uh, I'd love to hear your, your two cents on that and, and what you think. So just to play devil's advocate, like I agree with you. Like I don't think buying a print and buying a preset, for example, is absolutely not the same thing. Completely agree with you. Um, so one of the, I mean, I, I think- do, oh, to go back to that though, I do believe that. I mean, I guess it, it's doing the. It, it's it depends on what the the end goal is, right? If the end goal is to support the artist, then I think it is the same because buying a preset or buying a print or buying a T-shirt or anything else, as long as it's supporting the artist to enable them to continue to keep creating, then you know that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So that's exactly what I was going to say. For example, I think it's it's difficult like now because like Instagram has made it so like, okay, like people, people just want to copy what you do. Right. So it's difficult to, to find someone who wants to do it because they want to support what you do versus someone who wants to, who's seen a picture you've taken they want to go recreate that same exact image. So buying the preset is the easy way. Now, again, I feel like I'm saying so many controversial things. I have nothing against presets. I think presets are very useful because if you buy it, you understand how someone achieved the result. So before I went on this trip, I was, for example, I didn't, I didn't really have like anything to edit, like, you know, nature or like landscape and stuff. But if I bought a preset, for example, uh, from someone that I, I admired your work, I could apply that preset and kind of understand why, because you can deconstruct a preset, right? Like you can see what, you know, they're doing with the curves and like why, you know, they've done certain things a certain way. Now, I agree that like buying a preset, if you're buying it because you want to support someone, like I 
I shoot black and white, black and white street. I don't shoot color street. But like when Paola, like Monaris, like release a presets, like I bought it, but I've never used it. And I told her, I was like, I'm buying it just because you don't sell prints. And she was like, what do you mean? And I was like, well, the, <laughs> if you sold a print, I would buy the print instead. But because you don't sell prints, I'm just going to buy this because that's the only way I can reward your hard work. And she was like, oh, that's a weird way to look at it. Man. But yeah, so I think there is similarity, but it, obviously it's completely different. And you just have to go and like get your first print out to actually know why it is so much different for someone to feel an emotional connection to a specific image versus just a preset that can just help you recreate obviously it's completely different so yeah yeah i mean I've, i agree with everything you said on that right so i think you know i think prints have a higher perceived value than a preset whether it sure. costs more or less uh, just because you know it's it's just it's beautiful and it's something that you can physically see. It's tangible. You can touch it. Digital stuff, no matter what the price is, it, it's just hard because you don't see it every day. You never get to feel it. There's no anticipation of waiting to get it or you know anything like that. One thing that I have been asked personally, for example, is to do like editing workshops. Like you know, like okay, like set up a class of 15 people and people pay to come and like to see how you do post-processing and um, and BTS. I think BTS of portrait photography, like if you set up, if you set up, for example, if you set up, a, this sounds weird, if you set up a live stream and you said my live stream is going to contain 20 people and for this 20 people you pay 10 pounds or 10, $10, right? You pay $10 and you are going to have an exclusive look at the BTS from a portrait shoot that I had with so-and-so model, I think so many people would sign up. Because what I'm realizing now is a lot of people who don't do portraits and want to get into portraits, they don't realize how important the connection between you and the model is. Which again, sorry to bring back prisms, which is why sometimes people resort to, to gimmicks because you can tell when there is a connection between you and a model that you should because she's comfortable and stuff. So I don't know. I think workshops would be a totally great idea. And like just access. People want access to, to people who they love. If someone has access to your, your favorite photographer, um, I think they're, they're willing to pay, pay for that because then they can learn something along the way as well. I love it. I couldn't agree more. So with that said, we're running a little tight on time. We probably got about 10, 15 minutes because I still got two other things I want to cover. Okay. Uh, first, let's talk about, dude, you, you have a serious job you, and you have a serious hobby. How do you balance, you know, working? So, so when you say working 70 hours a week, is that 70 hours a week in IT at your job and then you're doing photography on top of that? Yeah. So okay. Work, so how do you how do you balance that? That's the big question. Because I um, think a lot of people could learn a lot about that. Because people make it seem nowadays like you know everyone's looking for that balance, but a lot of people aren't willing to make the sacrifice that it seems like you know you're willing to make right now. To to me, so usually I work seven to seven. Today obviously is an exception, but usually I work from seven a.m. to seven p.m. and um, 
the reason why I don't mind, well, the first thing is I don't mind doing it because I actually like what I do. Now, that, that makes it so much easier, right? When you actually enjoy what you're doing, it's, it's easier. Now, there came a point where I, didn't, I, was, I was struggling at work. I was struggling to put in the hours. I was struggling because I felt uninspired at work. And photography kind of took over where it was my escape from not feeling like I was doing great at work was photography. Now, the way I balance is every second that I am not working, I am either probably shooting. And the reason I do that is because the value to me that photography brings to my life and again, some people can, can listen to this and be like, it's easy when you have so and so followers. It's easy. No, like I I was doing it when I, I shoot I used to shoot more with less followers than I shoot now with more. You know what I mean? Like to me it was I would go out on the mor- on a Saturday morning and like before sunrise, shoot till like the evening. Mm-hmm. Now like I'll go out at certain times and like be like, Okay, I'm gonna shoot for two, three hours and go home. Right. Um, again, that comes with I've gotten better with time. Like I can manage my time better. But to me, it's about what you what you love to do. When it comes down to you, what do you love doing? I know it's cliche. People say you make time for the things that you love. Yes, you do. I would rather go out on a Friday night and you know shoot some trails or whatever I want to shoot than go out and drink. Like, and priorities have changed. Four or five years ago, that was the completely opposite. Right. So today, and but then again, like let's let's not get it twisted. Like there is a time for everything. Like I know not this Friday, but next Friday it's a friend's birthday. So next Friday night, I'm not gonna go shoot. I'm going to go enjoy my friend's birthday, and my camera is gonna be put aside. I just went on a ten week vacation where it was all about photography. Like I make that time. Like I make the commitment because I love it, and. And when you when we talk about balance, like you got to look at the bigger picture. And the bigger picture for me is my job allows me to go to places, to travel places, and to keep pursuing my passion outside of it. Now, if you so, I mean, my advice is like go out and shoot when you have time, when you have time to shoot. Like a lot of I go I go with my camera to work almost every single day. Like I go to the gym. I'm on the gym from six to seven. I have my camera with me and my gym stuff. I'm done. I work 77 and I just carry my camera in case something happens where I'm like, oh, I need to shoot this. You know, like, it's not like rocket science. Like, if you love shooting, you will find, you will find time to shoot. Even if it's an hour or two hours. Obviously, like, portrait shoots are a little different because you have to arrange with the model and, like, it's more time. But, like, street photography or just architecture or something you never know and that's the other good thing about photography you never know when something interesting is going to be in front of you that you want to shoot so like i always try to carry my camera around which is where um my little sony with the 35 mil 2.8 comes in handy because like I'm, i can almost fit that in my back pocket and it doesn't feel like i'm kind of, i'm logging something around so yeah that's how i do it like i work monday to friday and saturday sunday more likely than not, I will be out taking pictures. And that's just, I have two portraits this weekend, for example. Saturday that's awesome. From, yeah, from two to six, and then Sunday from one to five. That's my weekend. Yeah, so it's like, I mean, basic self-development principles. Like you, 
you get your work done and then it's it's time management and like what your priorities are your priorities are photography like you said like i you know like yeah drinking and and going out and having fun with friends and this and that all that's cool but what you enjoy most is photography so you pri- you prioritize that at the top you know of your list and you make sure when you're not working you know which is priority number 1 you're taking photos, which is priority number two. And if you're not taking photos, then it's, you know, to the next thing, right? Whatever your third highest priority is. Yeah. But really just not making excuses and, and, and not being afraid to, to turn down, you know, partying and things like that to go do things you love rather than giving your time away to, to people that are almost stealing it from you to do yeah. things you don't necessarily enjoy. And I think it's important to know, like, if anyone also listens, that they're like, oh, but my friend don't, my friends don't think it's cool. Oh, the 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 true ones are going to empower you. Um, most of my my friend base in the U.S. like it was like we would go out like and have a good time. But then I moved into like the photography, and it was more like when I I was like, okay, guys, I want to go do this. It was more like, oh, dude, like what you're doing is cool. Like, can we tag along? Like, don't, don't, you know, like, don't let anyone put what you want to do down as well. Like, if you decide on Friday, don't let anyone tell you it's not cool to go out on a Friday night and shoot. Because if that's what you love and that's your outlet, like, who are they to tell you that that's not the cool thing? Like, I mean, and that's what I've seen. That's another thing I've seen. Like, if you enjoy something and someone is like, oh, like, why would you do that rather than come spend time with me? Like, People don't know what you're going through. Like, to me, it was a matter of I needed to be sane. I needed to, you know, not be... I felt like I was doing terrible at work. And this photography was just kind of like, oh, it's so easy. It comes so easy to me. And it made me, made me feel good enough where I was able to go back to work and be like, okay, like, you know, like, I'm good at something. So, like, I wasn't so hard on myself. So people don't know what others are going through. So, like, don't let... You know, people from outside tell you you can't do something. Just go out and do it. And the more you try, the better you're going to get. That's for sure. Absolutely. Last but not least. So you're the first dude that I've actually get to talk to about this. So I'm excited. Oh, Sony Alpha Collective. What is going on with that? Like, I mean, you gave Sony, you gave Sony a little plug in, you know, earlier. Uh, you know, and and I caught that. I get it. You shoot on the A7R2. You know, I mean, and I shoot on a, and I'm not, I have no, I'm not dissing on Sony by any means. I shoot on the A7S2. So I, I love Sony. Uh, I also have a Canon 5D Mark II. So I also love Canon. But, uh, you know, I'd rather, you know, I do plan on getting the R2, but. I'm just, I'm curious, like what's going, like Sony seems to be doing a really good job working with a lot of the up and coming photographers and partnering up. And I mean, I, I, I honestly, I have no idea what's going on there. So I just would love for you to, to educate me on, on, on what's going on with all this Sony stuff. I'm seeing everyone rocking Sony and supporting Sony nowadays. And I'm just curious, you know, to what's going on. Okay. I will, I will give you a hundred percent of what I believe is true. Okay. And I'm, this is going to include digs at Sony because I am happy with my camera equipment, but I also have some negative things to say about the way, just actually just like, yeah, like Sony in general as well. So I love Sony's, I think the EVF 
is probably the most amazing thing. If you love, if you just, what you see is what you get with Sony, right? Instant gratification is something that I think we, well, millennials like too much. So the EVF is that, right? Instant gratification. What you see is exactly what you're going to get. You can change the aperture. You can change sort of everything. It will be just as you saw it and you can take the picture. Um, I like the size. The battery is not that bad. People complain about the battery. I can shoot a whole day on one battery on my Sony. I turn it off as soon as I've taken the picture. I don't, and also what you don't realize is with the EVF, you can, you don't have to focus recompose. You know exactly what you're taking. So you're saving time taking test shots as well. Now, Wait, what, what were you saying? The easy F? The EVF, the electronic viewfinder, right? So, okay. Yeah. So when you look through it, obviously, like even when you look to your, your A7S, you can change like the f-stop. You can change like the shutter speed, and it will automatically adjust it. So you're looking at it real, real time. Like I remember, yeah. I picked like my friend's 5D SR, and I was like, I changed to the settings that I wanted, and I took a picture, and it was completely dark. I was like, what is this? Because I'm used to like when I change it, and it's dark. When I take the picture, it's exactly what I saw to the AVF. Now, that being said, Sony is an amazing camera. They're pushing. The boundaries in like the A7, the A9, amazing technology. Obviously, it's not it's for commercial, it's for sport photography and, and like wildlife photography. But there are things about like Sony that they're doing that I am not too happy about. For example, the Sony Alpha Collective seems to be just the the people with very high followings. When you look at people who are in that Alpha Collective, there are people would very high um, followings on Instagram, which I don't think is like is the right way to approach it. The other thing that I will say about that is it seems like Sony has neglected like England. Canon has a very good community here. Canon organizes meets, Nikon organizes meets in London. There is no Sony like like little group of people here. But like the Alpha Collective seems to be just in the US. Like there was just a Canon event where like they take people from, you know, different followings and they just host something, you know, and Mm -hmm. which is funny because we were, I was talking with some friends, like I converted like maybe seven people to go to Sony and we were just talking between us. We were like, what if we make a video? What if we just make a video and we just take, because the, the London community is not happy about it because it seems like, so many people are shooting Sony now and there is no like, Hey, let's get together and like do something for you guys, which yeah, they don't need to. Right. But it's also good to show appreciation for people who are like using your gear because we figured out like between seven of us, we had almost 50, 50 grand, actually more than 50 grand of Sony gear, just Sony gear. Let's say we all decided to switch because there just seems to be like a lack of appreciation. Like people like, I don't know anyone in the UK who is part of the Alpha Collective. Like Toby Shinobi was the only one, but he's moved to Chicago now and he lives in Chicago and he's now part of the Alpha. And he's, so it's just kind of like, okay, like what do you really need? Do you need to be in another country to be, or what is your following need to be? And I don't like that. But if we're talking about the camera, the one thing about the <laughs> A7RT that I have, I don't like is if you're shooting in low light conditions and you have, and you're trying to, 
manually focused and you have taking on, it is very grainy. So you don't know what you're focusing on. Focusing in the night for an A7R2 is considerably terrible compared to other systems. Um, apart from that, like if you ask me today, if you want to shoot street, what camera would I would recommend? I don't think I would recommend Sony. I use a Sony. I love my Sony. I'll probably recommend like a Fuji XT2. The contrast in the blacks are just so much better than what Sony can achieve. I mean, I have, I love, but again, I love my Sony. I just think the way they're approaching the marketing and just the way they're treating people that live in the UK just seems to be, just seems to be lacking because there's no way for me to understand why. And the Alpha Collective is such a huge thing, but there is no one in the, U- the UK right now that is part of the mem- part of the that group. Like I don't understand why. Maybe because mm. of the following. Maybe we're not hot shots enough. But it's just especially because you have so many Canon representatives or, or you know Nikon or whatever. But huh? Yeah, that's interesting. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna see if I can't get someone from Sony on the podcast. Please do and yeah. ask them what they're doing. Yeah, <laughs> no, absolutely. I no, there was there was there was one person. Toby Shinobi was the one person that was on the, and he was a Sony Global Imaging Ambassador. He wasn't even in the collective because that's different. And then he moved to Chicago, three four months. He's part of the collective. So so you shooting on all Sony stuff. You got seven yeah. of your friends to switch to Sony. Are you getting paid at all, or getting discounts, or anything? Shouldn't I be getting? That's what I'm saying. Like, so, wait, so you don't. Yeah. So wait, hold on. So, no. so you, not only do you own, you're, you know, you are an influencer yourself. You know, at what level they, you know, whatever they say. I guess you'd probably fall into what they would call a micro influencer, right? Okay. Yeah. And with that said, they don't even give you a ten percent, and you've converted seven other friends yep. to the Sony system. That's interesting. Yep. So you guys basically in London kind of feel like. Uh, we kind of feel like, oh, like, so you're focusing all in uh, eight people, not even seven, eight people. Right. And you're not expecting them to give you the world, but it's just like, hey, like, I mean, a, a little recognition, a little something, a little like, hey, we appreciate you. Here's X or here's a discount or here's, you know, something to show that we see you guys and we appreciate you. And it doesn't even have to be me. It just has to be someone from like show love to people in the UK. Because there are people here that are doing great things. Just organize an event. Invite people who shoot on Sony and just be like, here's a drink. We know that you guys are repping the Sony brand. You guys have a drink. I don't even need to be there. Don't invite me. Invite everyone else. I don't care that I am there or not. But like, it just seems like the UK has been neglected completely. And it's all about the US. And which is fair. It's a... 400 million people versus how many there are in the U in the U in, in London. But still like there are a lot of people here. Every time anyone asks me what they should get, like I always say, I always say Sony just because I think the EVF again, I, I rave about it because it's revolutionary. But then wh- why don't I recommend a, Fu- a Fuji, like a Fuji, the, the XH, well, the XT2 or the X Pro 2 has an OVF and an EVF. And for street, it's better. Like, it is better. But, like, because, you know, 
I love Sony and like I love the things that he can do and stuff. Like I'm always recommending, but Sony just ignores and doesn't like show love to UK shooters. I don't know why. Okay, okay. Well, I can't speak for Sony, but as far as AOV goes, I mean, we'd love to do. You know, I don't know necessarily when we'd be able to get out to London, but. I I think I think you running a meetup out there, putting something together could be dope. When we get you to New York City, we definitely need to. We definitely because we got a following in NYC. We've never been out that way. We've only hit the West Coast, but that's what we need to do. We need to meet up. Take over. We need to take over the East Coast, man, and and do some do some things for the community. Inspire some cats and put together some events. And and realistically, just I just want to bring people together and and show them a good time because. It's beautiful when you when when you bring artists and creatives together to collaborate. It's really fun to to see what happens. Exactly. Um, I mean, I totally agree. And you know what? That's actually a great idea. Like a, a AOV London meetup that has not been done by any any other like, you know any anyone else in London. So it would be it would be amazing. Or in New York or somewhere outside, it would be great. Like let's do it. Yep, I think we got to figure that one out because that would be uh, that'd be cool. So I'll holler at you about that. Let me know. Let Absolutely. Me. Well, my man, Chris, dude, I think that's all we have for time. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Dude, thank you for having me. I appreciate you um, letting me, you know, shoot the shit with you, man. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Please share the Art of Visuals podcast with your friends and make sure to hit that subscribe button. Sharing is caring. You can follow Art of Visuals on Instagram at Art of Visuals or sign up for the Art of Visuals newsletter on artofvisuals.com. Join us next episode for more, but until then, let's continue to visually inspire the world together.